0: It's a glorious Tuesday afternoon, and what a better time for a Mediascope Brief. My name is Tachi. I talk all about media, tech, and pop culture news. One thing I don't like to talk about is politics. That's right. I said politics. It causes too much drama, struggle, and strife. I would rather talk about media but there are times that it is appropriate to talk about politics especially in regards to how it affects the media so the Knight first amendment institute at columbia university made waves last month when they threatened a first amendment lawsuit on behalf of users blocked by at real donald trump after they criticized him on twitter this is according to the neiman lab neimanlab.org So you know that he has a very well used, most followed Twitter account. He has more than 33 million followers, and the official uh, POTUS, POTUS, Twitter account has 19 million. This letter was addressed directly to the president in early June, and Institute Director Jamil Jaffer and attorneys Katie Fallow and Alex Abdo argued that blocking users who criticized or mocked Trump from accessing and engaging with his Twitter is actually unconstitutional because he is using, using it in such a way that it counts as a public forum under the First Amendment. So today, True to their word, the Institute followed through and they filed a suit in the Southern District Court of New York. The official complaint can be seen at NeimanLab.org if you are interested. So they say, quote, legislators and public officials all over the country are increasingly using social media to engage with their constituents. So we really see these questions as the social media error equivalent of the town hall and city council meeting questions that came up 2040 and 30 years ago. So they also said that it really does affect the vitality of our democracy. If local politicians are blocking their critics on Twitter and thereby preventing those critics from engaging with the public officials who are supposed to be representing them. Now there's a valid point here. It's not just about not liking him, who supposedly is in charge, it's also about if you can block constituents from saying what they want, and albeit truth, you may have an uh, an amount of trolls, obviously, but there are probably also real constituents who are trying to get real answers to real questions, and if you don't feel like being bothered, you just block them. Now, I can see the point of it being unconstitutional if you're using it in a public sense, I'm wondering if this is why he used his at real Donald Trump rather than POTUS to do all of this. Interesting, so that he felt he could block them. This is really intriguing. So I want to know from you what you think. Do you think it's okay for a public official on their own account to, be, to block constituents or block people because they don't feel like answering questions or whatever? even though it is their private Twitter account, but they're using it in a public capacity. So it's, it's a very nuanced thing. And I want to hear from you. Let me know. Sound off. Cheers. I welcome you back to another MediaScope brief. This time we're taking an international look and we're looking at whiskey lounges in India. Yes, the Esquire magazine brand will soon encompass whiskey lounges in India, starting with a location in central Delhi scheduled for 2018. Very intriguing. So it's an interesting twist on the international management of a brand named US Magazine. Esquire is actually published internationally in two dozen countries or regions and India is not one of these which is interesting and it would seem primed as the next logical step in that regard. However, instead of a localized edition of Esquire, they're going to do whiskey lounges. So they announced today, Hearst Magazines International that is announced today that they partnered with Franchise India Holdings Limited to open an initial location in Central Delhi in 2018, followed by 14 more whiskey lounges across India. Currently, the closest thing to Esquire India is a garment industry wholesaler that goes by that name. In India, Hearst Magazine publishes editions of Cosmo and Harper's Bazaar. Earlier this summer, Esquire US released a compendium of the best whiskeys in every state right now, and from that grouping, it's rankings of top 10 nationally. So, Seattle's Westland brand tops the Best of the brands, and maybe that's what we're going to find in India. A whiskey lounge in India. I didn't even know this was something that was of interest in India. Well, you learn any every day, I guess. If you are Indian, or have some holdings or interest in India, and know this to be true, let me know, because this just seems interesting to me, and interesting in an interesting way. Anyway, I'd love to hear your takes on this story. Sound off. Cheers. So in this next segment of Mediascope, we're talking Uber. We all know that they've been plagued with woes by their own doing, no doubt, but they've been plagued. And one of the things that has resulted is that CEO Travis Kalanick stepped down last month. So there is no CEO, right? They are on the search for a CEO. So in the weeks following that announcement, there have been a lot of rumors swirling around about who will replace Kalinick at, at Uber for their top position. And some of these rumors have centered on one woman who is online videos most notable executive, YouTube CEO, Susan Wojcicki. The latest bit of chatter comes from the New York Post, whose sources say Wojiki is gaining traction in Uber CEO search. The Post, is, is worth noting, has been criticized for its questionable accuracy in the past, and we've heard this, so we should take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. But that said, there are other outlets that have previously noted that Wojiki would be a strong choice for Kalanick's for, uh, former position, and most have added that it would be difficult to imagine Wojiki leaving Google, where she had spent the past 18 years, right? Kalanick's departure from Uber appeared to be tied to those revelations from the app's toxic culture of course, the sexual harassment and discrimination, etc., etc. With Jiki's tenure at YouTube, has seen the video site champion female creators, creators of color, and LGBTQ creators. And were she to join Uber, she would be able to take strides to clean up their image, Uber's image, that is. She's already commented on some of Uber's recent controversy, and she tweeted the that accusations of sexism within the company show that quote. Women need to be talking more in corporate America, especially at the top. So, of course, Wojcicki to Uber rumors are all conjecture at this point. That's all they are, rumors. But you can't doubt that YouTube's top executive would be a really good pick for the CEO position, given Uber's needs. The odds of Google's employee number 15 leaving her position in Mountain View seems slim. But we'll see how this develops, right? Never say never. Okay, I hope all is well and sound off if you wish. Cheers. And our final Mediascope brief of the day has to do with Amazon Prime and how appropriate because today is Prime Day. I hope you're rearing up to get your electronics that you wouldn't buy otherwise because they're like 50% off to 75% off. Enjoy if you are. Let's talk more about Amazon Prime. As soon as next year, there could be more US households that will subscribe to Prime than to cable or satellite TV, according to a report from Recode. The investment research firm Morningstar pegs the current number of Amazon Prime subscribers at 79 million households. Now this is up from 66 million at the end of 2016. All in all, there are 90 million U.S. families that pay for cable or satellite subscriptions or that will pay for them this year, according to the analytics outfit, S&P Global. Excuse me, S&P Global. Given that most people subscribe to Prime, priced at $100 per year for its two-day delivery feature and not necessarily for Prime Video, Recode says that the implication isn't that Prime Video is more popular than TV, but that the service is becoming ubiquitous amongst households of various income levels. So for instance, Amazon has courted low-income consumers in recent months with a discounted rate on gov- and those on government assistance, as well as an $8.99 monthly payment option. I didn't know that existed. Okay, so forthcoming series currently in the works in Amazon Prime Video include Comrade Detective and The Tick, and there's a bunch more that is coming your way. So that's the news that as of next year, the, Am- the number of US Amazon Prime members could surpass total pay TV households. Hmm, this is not a surprise to me anyway. Who is not cutting the cord? We've talked about this ad nauseam, right? <laughs> Uh, there are just so many reasons and so many choices to cut the cord. I, nobody can rationalize paying the exorbitant amount of c- that cable TV charges you. Except, of course, my co-host from TV channeling, Kevin No Malone. Anyway, but one day Kevin will come around and cut the cord with the rest of us. <laughs> I hope you all are doing well. Thanks for listening and cheers. You know what, my friends? I feel another edition of caller you say what coming on that's where i take listener call-ins and i answer you back or give you feedback whatever you like or the situation calls for first up we have something from tales from the truck whom i absolutely love best storyteller ever let's hear what he has to say about the new scrubbing feature on anchor
1: tachi how you doing Hey, I want to let you know they've got this new uh, scrubbing feature. I, I, I'm sure you've seen it on the, on the update with Anchor. And I just wanted to let you know I enjoy your content so much. I'm never going to scrub on you. I'm, I'm No scrubbing. No scrubs like the TLC song. No scrubs. No scrubbing for you. I just wanted to give you that, that confidence, that, that vote of confidence. I will never scrub ahead or backwards. Just straight up. That's all.
0: Tales from the Truck. What have I done in a past life to please the social media gods that you will never scrub forwards or backwards through my content? Honestly, I'm honored. That is awesome. And, you know, I use Anchor on two different devices, but mostly on my Android. And I have not noticed the scrubbing feature on Android. And you know, most things debut first on iOS simply because it's easier. It's one platform as opposed to 50 million with Android. So, you know what? I'll have to check it out on my iPad and see what's what. Thank you for alerting me to this change. Those of us on Android, I guess we're just chopped liver and we just got to wait, huh? But thanks so much. And I refuse to scrub through your content as well because you are the greatest storyteller ever told. Cheers.
1: Hi, Tachi. Did you just mention that Facebook village idea is more on the creepy side? All right, I will just leave it as it is, but let me just remind you what Facebook said a few months ago, that one of their goals is to reach over 4 billion people all over the world with internet connection. I would say that this is more creepy than Facebook Village itself, because on the one hand, connecting, providing internet to over 4 billion people in the world, of course we can say, oh, that's great, that's fantastic, good for them. But at the same time, it means that one company will have that huge power uh, when it comes down to such a great number of audience, clients. And for me, that's scary. Claudia, You've just taken
0: this level of paranoia to a whole new level for me. Yes, that's even scarier than the Facebook village because the Facebook village is finite. Only a certain amount of people are going to be able to live and work and shop there and worship. Mm -hmm. I said worship. But worldwide internet equals worldwide domination. Isn't it sad that we always question people's motives? That the world is such that this can't just be a good thing of somebody wanting to provide connectivity to the world, somebody wanting to provide housing, that it's automatically a diabolical plan? This is kind of sad, isn't it? I still feel it's diabolical. <laughs> that hasn't
1: changed.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Claudia. Tachi, Barbara KB here. You just knew I was going to call in on this one. <laughs> not only because, boy, real Donald Trump has really taken Twitter by storm, and I'm enthralled by that because I love that Twitter, been there for 10 years. But also, I'm just intrigued with media and politics and where we're all talking about things. And while I'm not really a big fan of. Of our current president, I am going to defend his right to block people on Twitter and while I understand where the journalists are coming from, it's not like he's completely blocked them from all any other engagement with him. and I think their defense is weak, and I honestly think they're doing a good job of getting some attention for this so
0: I know that you were going to call in. I've been patiently looking at my watch, awaiting your words, and here they are. Thank you so much. This is a very intriguing problem or phenomena or whatever you want to call it. The fact that an individual is using a somewhat private account, he's a public figure, so it's not really private, but he's using his own account to comment on things that are of public interest, but you don't want to hear what the public has to say. Regardless of the fact that it is his private account, he is a public figure and at that an elected official. And you need to have lines of communication open at all times. I'm sorry. That's just what comes with being a public figure. And this has nothing to do with liking the man or not liking the man. It just has to do with, this is what you signed up for as a public figure. It's not like you're just a quote-unquote celebrity if he ever was anymore. Now you are affiliated with the highest land in the office. And you are a public servant. As such, you are required to take the public's advice. The public's, not that you would take it, but the public's words and and answer or whatever it is that's appropriate in the case. So, you're a, that that's the thing. You're a public servant. President means public servant. Elected official means public servant. And if you are opening and this is the thing, he started it with commenting from that account on things to do with the United States and with his office and everything else. So if you're doing it from there, guess what? You've turned it into a public forum for people to comment on. Maybe he didn't realize this, or maybe he did, and... This absolves him. This, because of the type of account it is, he could easily block people. And this way he doesn't have to answer people. But it's problematic because you're setting a precedent for all of the other public officials. They can, if there's somebody, a constituent they don't like, they can just block them. You can't do that. They put you in office, okay? Public officials, that is. You have to listen to your constituency. Whether you like what they have to say or not, too bad. You made this a forum, now your Twitter account has now become a forum for that, so you have to, you know, leave it open for that. The thing is, it is a quote-unquote kind of private account, so he's well within his rights to block. He's in his rights to block, should he ethically block? That's the thing. This is an ethical issue. This is a moral and ethical issue. I don't know that he quite understands morals and ethics, or that this is a moral and ethical issue. Just saying, but um, I think your, your point of view is extremely interesting, and I think it's it's right. I don't think there's any wrong or right, and I frankly don't know that this organization is going to have a leg to stand on, especially when it comes to him. But if they can find cases where someone is specifically blocking constituents um, and they've turned it into a public forum and that's uh, that type of case, like a governor's office, etc. I think that that may be something to look at. But we have to be very careful how we tread with this, because this sets the tone for how we deal with public officials on social media. This could possibly do that. Interesting. You see why i don't talk politics it's too damn much anyway i appreciate you barbara kb and thanks for calling in cheers many of you know that in addition to being a media person and a filmmaker whatever else i do that i am a dancer choreographer and a few years ago i was in a dance piece choreographed by a fantastic tampa based choreographer called gratitude is an action And I love gratitude in the form of actions. This next call in, this next caller, you say what? Is James Fershweiler expressing his gratitude for Mediascope in a very interesting and lovely way. Let's take a listen.
2: Hey, Tachi, you know something? I wanted to say something that
1: really means a lot to me about the media scopes that you put out on anchor to show that i really really enjoy all that you offer
2: you raise me up so i can stand on mountains
0: you raise me up to walk on stormy seas
1: You raise me up to more than I can be.
2: It's true.
0: James, this was such a lovely way to express gratitude, and I'm so glad that Mediascope does something for you. And when I hear things like that, It makes me know that I'm doing the right thing, honestly. So thank you so much for your gratitude. And I am grateful that you take the time to listen. There are 10 million stations now on Anchor. And the fact that you take the time to listen to my little station is amazing. So my friend, thank you so much. I express my gratitude to you for listening. And then for that lovely song, thank you. You can hold a tune. Keep it up. Cheers.